0: This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes store, Google Play, or on the Podbean app. And while you're there, I'd love a review. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm your host, Jackie Pack. Today's episode, I wanted to discuss some things that are going on currently here in the state that I reside, the state of Utah and just kind of talk through some things that the Healing Past team has been discussing. And we were actually able to be interviewed by a local news station and wrote up a statement and they were able to print that out or post it, actually not printed anymore, but they were able to post it on their online platforms with the news. And so I'm sure that this is not something that's just maybe unique to Utah. But I wanted to just maybe talk a little bit about it because it just happened this week. It was kind of unexpected. And you know, most of us as mental health professionals right now are busy. And so the majority of us hadn't really seen this story breaking as it was going around. I had a former client text me and say, hey, do you know much about this or what are your thoughts on this? And I, you know, communicated a little bit with her back and forth in between sessions. And she had let me know, right? I mean, she initially kind of saw it. I think it's, it was kind of like a screenshot and then, you know, somebody's comments on it. And so she had kind of seen it similar to like a meme or it was like a picture kind of thing. And she had wondered, you know, is this legit or is this not legit? And so she went ahead and called and verified that it was in in fact real, right? And she had communicated that to me. So... Let me just talk about what it was for those of you who aren't in Utah or like uh, like many of us, if you are in Utah, but you are not aware of what's happening. So there's a college in the Salt Lake area, actually not super far from my house. It's a private college called Westminster College, and they're offering a class called Porn 300 it's for two credits. It's an elective, and it's being taught in the film and media department. And so here is the description of the class. It says, Hardcore pornography is as American as apple pie and more popular than Sunday night football. Our approach to this billion dollar industry is as both a cultural phenomena that reflects and reinforces sexual inequalities, but holds the potential to challenge sexual and gender norms and as an art form that requires serious contemplation. We will watch pornographic films together and discuss the sexualization of race, class, and gender, and as an experiment, radical art form. So obviously, you know, this was making the rounds on social media. From my understanding, by the evening, I think Westminster College had protesters out front of their main building, and people were quite upset about it this former client of mine had said that she'd actually called the news and as well as Westminster College. She said both of the people she talked to, you know, had indicated that they were getting flooded with phone calls and people were not happy. So, you know, as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, okay, on on face value, I mean, I think there's some issues with the description of the class. So I started, this is In the evening, I started an email thread with the other therapists that I work with and and kind of said like, hey, have you guys seen this? And what are your thoughts? And, you know, it is a real thing. And so, you know, we were kind of having some discussions online about it. And, you know, I think only one of the therapists had actually seen it and said, you know, from what I'm gathering, the comments that are being posted or the comments that I've seen or the ways that it's being shared are quite politicized, right? That people from the right side of the aisle are saying this is what liberals want and this is what education's gonna look like under left-wing politics. You know, I think vice versa going back, people were like, y- you know, the right kind of claims to love freedom of speech and yet they wanna ban this class and shut it down. And, and so of course, as many things are in our political culture right now, things quickly get heated, emotions quickly come on board, and both sides point fingers at the other. And I don't know that there's a whole lot of critical thinking going on, or maybe you know just taking a breath, taking a pause, taking a step back, and thinking things through, right? So I was saying, I mean, I do think this writing, the description of the class, it's a little problematic like when i'm reading and i'm thinking i you know and initially i did say to my client like well i don't i don't know what this is going to be about i'm not sure you know what the professor is intending to convey with this class i mean the description again not very helpful other than we're aware that there's going to be porn watched in class and but i don't know what else you know r- really exactly what this class was about and i was saying like i mean again if they're looking at Porn through the lens of sexual inequality, that's probably a good thing to do, right? If they're talking about race and gender and how porn represents those two issues, also probably a good thing to look at. But I just don't know, right? I, I don't know from this description if that's actually what they're doing. And so, what I had said to my former client. And this is, you know, this is a client who personally has experience dealing with pornography and sex addiction in her marriage and it broke up her marriage they've divorced and and so of course that's going to hit a tender spot for her you know so I said you know I don't exactly know pornographic films like what does that mean and she was saying well they do say hardcore pornography right I don't know that hardcore pornography is what they were going to be watching I don't know that so I said you know I, I did tell her I said years ago and I've talked about this um with other people years ago my first year at college so this is a long time ago i took a it was t- actually taught in the sociology department but it was film something to do with film i i knew when i registered for the class that we were going to be watching shows and you know i've reflected a lot on that class over the years because it did get me thinking about maybe biases or it i think it also helped me be able to apply critical thinking skills to things that I had heard, right? So this would have been in like 1988, 89, somewhere in there. And so one of the films I remember watching was Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Now that film, I mean, obviously that wasn't like a trending film at that time or even a current film at that time, but I knew I had heard of that film and I had heard how controversial it was or how, you know, it was done in poor taste and we shouldn't watch that show and that's bad. And it's, you know, overuse of sexuality, that type of stuff. And so, you know, we watched that show and at the time, you know, we're watching it in class. And then we watched another show and I don't even remember the name of that show. It was not as popular, although it was, I believe, a more current show than Looking for Mr. Goodbar. And in that film, like I said, I don't remember the The name of it but it took place world war ii i want to say kind of in the french countryside so there's you know beautiful cinematography beautiful scenes in the french countryside you've got this young woman whose husband is in the army and is away and she's kind of left at this home taking care of stuff just kind of living her day in day out life you know while it takes place during a war you don't really see, like the war doesn't necessarily touch her life. So there's a soldier wounded, or I don't remember if like his plane crashed or something like that, but there's a soldier who shows up basically on her land and is hurt. And, you know, she brings him in, she's caring for him. You start to see this relationship unfolding and eventually they end up like, you know, in this romantic sexual relationship. And so, you know, we watched Looking for Mr. Goodbar, then we watched this film and then we're gonna discuss it, right? And I remember one of the things that this professor had said was like, when you watched Looking for Mr. Goodbar, how many of you were like, that's the life for me, right? That makes me wanna go hang out at bars, have one night stands and live that life, right? And nobody really in the class raised their hand. And he was like, you know, let's talk about how did that movie make you feel? And, you know, it's kind of a darker filmed, like there's not a, you know, I mean, I intentionally, I'm not talking about like darker messaging. I mean, it is a darker message, but I'm talking like even just the picture quality, right? The lighting is, it's taking place in mostly bars, right? So the lighting is not high, right? And overall, the class was kind of saying like, yeah, I mean, you're kind of like, eh, that doesn't feel very good, right? Like, and you feel bad for the main character, and you kind of want her to get her stuff together so that she has a better life for herself, right? And then he was like, and what about this other film, right? And eventually, I mean, we're having discussion about it. A lot of people really liked the other film, right? And so then he was like, you know, do you know the controversy around Mr. Goodbar and We were all like, yeah, we understand. We've heard about that um, controversy. We know about that controversy. And he was like, what about this other film? Like, have you guys heard any controversy about that other film? And we were all kind of like, "Mm, no, I don't think so. Like, and he was like, do you think that this film would be controversial? And we were all like, no, like what's controversial about that, right? And he's like, okay, so let me ask you, like this woman's married, right? This young woman's married. Her husband's at war." here comes this soldier. How many of you were like rooting for this romance to develop between them? And, you know, the majority of the class is raising your hand. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for that, right? And he's like, and how many of you, because there was a couple of like chance encounters where they were going to kiss and then they didn't and it came back around and eventually oh. they kiss, right? Eventually they have sex. And, you know, as the class is having this discussion, I mean, the majority of us were, rooting for this soldier, right? To be able to woo her and have this, you know, romantic fling together. So, you know, then he kind of points out, he had led the class right where he wanted them to be. And then he kind of points out, so this film, looking for Mr. Goodbar, it's controversial, but all of you watching it are not wanting her to have these one night stands. You're not wanting this to be her life. He's like, so the message actually says, yeah, this is, is a dark and empty life. And he's like, and on the other hand, here's this woman, married, and all of you are rooting for her to be unfaithful. You're rooting for her to cheat on her husband, right? He was kind of, he got kind of a joke. He's like, what kind of people are you? Now, this wasn't like a novel idea to me. I knew that, you know, sometimes with film, oftentimes with film, what you see on the surface is not all there is to see about the film, right? And sometimes we need to look differently and deeper at what the messaging is. And so we also discussed that in our class, like, you know, why do you think you guys didn't see that? Why did you not get the difference, right? We talked about the lighting, we talked about the beautiful cinematography of the of one film. You know, we also all pretty much admitted we had heard, not a lot of us had seen Looking for Mr. Goodbar, but we had all heard about it for the most part and knew the controversy, right? And so he was like, how many of you, just based on what you were hearing, adopted those same beliefs about this movie, right? Until we're actually here in this classroom having this discussion. And he's like, "You know, so again, I think we have to look a little bit deeper. We have to be aware of messaging that people have because maybe, yeah, sure, it makes them uncomfortable but is it the scenes and sex that actually makes them uncomfortable right he's like how many of you were uncomfortable watching looking for mr goodbar and a lot of us raised our hand he's like but actually the takeaway is yeah i don't i don't want to be in that situation i don't really want to have that type of life and so he was like you know you need to be able to kind of take a step back and and remember that now obviously i was texting my client in between sessions there's no way i had time to explain the story in the depth that I just explained it to you but I was saying I don't know if I would agree that across the board having a class like this is wrong and should not happen and that this should be shut down and I had just said I think we need more information I think more you know I have more questions and if my questions were answered I might be able to make a better decision so fast forward I finished my sessions. I think I was coming home around eight o'clock at night that night, right? And on my drive home, my real estate agent was calling me. So another thing I haven't really talked about that's going on is, you know, so in February, so let me back up. So a year ago in March of 2021, I was looking to expand Healing Paths. And when we did, we got a Salt Lake location and I signed, at the time they were just requiring a one year lease. I signed a one year lease. It was actually a great space. We liked it, we enjoyed it. It was really working out well for us. So on February 1st of 2022, I got news from the landlord that similar to our business, his business was exploding. He wasn't a therapist, but his business was exploding. And he was like, I'm not gonna renew your lease because I need the space for my own company. So I was kind of like, okay, I gotta find another space, right? Because I have therapists who now work their clients that come to that location versus our other locations. And so I was like, okay, I started looking, right? I reached out to a real estate agent that I've used before for residential, said, do you know any commercial real estate agents, right? And she was like, oh, actually I've been expanding into commercial, I can do commercial real estate. And so I was like, perfect, here's the situation. So, you know, we found a, a place, put in an offer, the offer was accepted, and, you know, initially I needed to get some SBA funding in place, and, you know, that takes some time, and so, and, and we needed to make some, you know, uh, changes to the office space, you know, it didn't really have a lot of walls and doors, or it had some glass walls and doors, actually, which you know is not going to work for a therapist. Nobody wants to do their therapy sessions with glass walls and glass doors. And you know the owner of the space seemed a little offended that I wasn't going to use the glass. And I was kind of like, hey, no offense needed, right? Like I love glass walls and doors, just doesn't really work for therapy. So you know we kind of got the feeling that he wanted the glass walls and doors. You know my agent tried to send over you know how to an attorney draw something up basically trying to work out an agreement where he got the glass walls and doors and he just would ignore it he just wouldn't respond he wouldn't sign anything he you know if his agent called him directly about that he just would not talk to her about it and we're wondering like what this is weird what's happening so i had entered into a lease for march and april in order to get in and build some things and then the contract i had i had to purchase the property by May 2nd and have my, you know, lending in place, which my lender was saying that can happen. So long story short, I don't think that he ended up wanting to sell the space. There may be some legal issues. My real estate agent has given me attorney names, real estate attorneys, and said it's worth calling them and telling them what has happened. And, you know, you might want to look at that. But I also own a building, right? So that's exciting. Now we've hit a hiccup with getting in and getting the permits and going ahead and um, adding some walls and doors. And so, of course, that's gonna delay us a little bit as well. So, you know, I've got that going on. Also, April's always a busy month for me. I have three kids who have birthdays in April. I tell myself now, you know, uh, I'm not doing soccer tryouts. Soccer tryouts used to always be in April and that's a lot of drama. I don't have to do that. It's not the end of the school year for any of my kids, right? They're all graduated. And so I don't have end of the year school projects that also added to April and just kind of made the month crazy. So I'm just like, okay, at least I don't have those things. But like April's going to be really crazy. Now it looks like it's going to be April into May and even March was kind of crazy. So I've got that going on. So I was calling, you know, I had a conversation with my real estate agent. She was kind of updating me on a few things on my drive home. So I finished that conversation and this former client calls me and is like, hey, I've been talking to a reporter and I told her that really the person you should be talking to is my therapist. And she's like, and so my, the reporter asked for your contact info and she's like, and I was like, well, let me make sure that my therapist is okay with me sharing her contact info. She's like, are you okay? Like, I really think that you should talk to this reporter. And I was like, sure, have her have her call me, right? So I'm walking in the door, and the reporter calls, and we kind of had a, you know, brief discussion, and she was like, you know, could you jump on Zoom, and can we record kind of an interview, right? Like a five-minute interview. I think it ended up being closer to 10 minutes, and I know, you know, we're not going to use the whole interview. I knew that, you know, they would really reduce it down, because that's what happens with The news when you have only a certain amount of time to cover stories. And so by 8 30, right, I'm on a Zoom call doing this interview with the reporter. And then it, it went fine, right? And then at the end of that, she was like, Can you actually do a statement? Get it to me by tomorrow morning so we can also put your statement in the online platforms that this story will be there. She's like, There may be additional people reaching out to you. So I worked on the statement. You know, I wanted to make sure that what I wanted, right? I didn't want this to be a statement by Jackie Pack. I wanted this to be a statement that was in alignment with with the Healing Paths team. And so I, you know, kind of drafted it up, sent it out to them, said, I'm totally open for edits, suggestions. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I do want this to kind of be a Healing Paths team and not just Jackie Pack. And anyway, we had some discussion around that. It worked out. I sent it to the reporter this is Thursday morning. I'm at work again, like get a phone call probably like three or four minutes before I'm walking into my 10 a.m. session. But my 10 a.m. session is sitting in the lobby and I get a call. I answer it. It's the radio, right? And they're like, hey, can you call in to this radio show and talk about this topic in 30 minutes? And I was like, I, you know, I I can't, I'm going to be in a session and it's not really fair for me to cancel it while he's sitting out in the lobby, right? I didn't say that to them, but I know that, and they were just like, okay, not a problem. We may reach back out. Okay, not a problem. I haven't heard any more from anybody, so maybe this is over, but I don't know, maybe maybe it's not, right, so I just kind of wanted to read the press statement that the Healing Path team put out and, and maybe just talk for a moment about that. So it says, Healing Path Center Inc is a group of mental health professionals specializing in treating problematic sexual behavior, including pornography addiction, sexual addiction, infidelity, and betrayal trauma. We approach our work with clients from a recovery perspective and work towards healing, sexual health and wellness, healthy intimacy, and meaningful relationships. The controversy created recently by a description of a film class being offered at Westminster College a private accredited and comprehensive liberal arts college in Salt Lake City, has caused our team of licensed mental health professionals to pause. The complexity of the issue raised can be missed as the emotions of this topic surge. This is not a simple issue, even though the shock for many who have read this description can feel that this is a clear cut right or wrong issue. As we have paused, thought, and discussed this as a team, we also see the potential opportunities for learning and growth that can come from this controversy. Our collective well-being is best served when we approach debates and discourse with curiosity, critical thinking, and healthy skepticism of false dichotomies. Pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry that has a powerful impact on our culture and communities. There are many classes taught at colleges and universities, especially liberal arts colleges, that explore the impact of pornography on culture, society, individuals, race, and gender. Many of these classes are very effective at creating opportunities for learning and growth. They challenge biases and help students understand the world they live in and are a part of, while also assisting them to approach challenging topics with critical thinking skills. There is a need to start conversations and dialogue about sex and power in the porn industry and its impact on our country. In 2022, with porn readily accessible in America, critical thinking and the ability to have productive discussions about this powerful industry is important, especially for students majoring in media and film. Unfortunately, the number of sexual assaults on college and university campuses has been rising. The porn industry does have an impact on the rise of this serious and emotionally damaging issue. Will this class help or hurt that number? We don't know. More information is needed and it is fair to request clarification from Westminster College so that misinformation and fear are not spread. The description appears to have been written with salaciousness and wordplay that creates concerns about who this class will attract and why. While porn is not known for being safe, healthy, or consensual, we hope this class is taught in a manner that contributes to better development of safety, health, and consent, and does not escalate these problems. The issues of race, class, gender, and sexual inequalities are sensitive issues. Discussions of these issues do belong in higher education. While we do not agree with censoring the discussion of these sensitive issues, it is imperative that safety nets are created to protect every student enrolled in this class and on the Westminster campus. We hope that this class is approached in a manner that shines a light on the perspective of women and minorities in sex and culture. Our team works every day with individuals, marriages, and families, that have been harmed by pornography and problematic sexual behaviors. We also see healing, resilience, repair, and growth for many whose lives were harmed. We know that change happens when we're able to take a step back, pause, listen, get curious, and think critically about an issue. Censorship in educational settings can be a dangerous road, especially in institutions of higher learning like liberal arts colleges. The freedom of thought and speech is imperative to American values and has brought about ingenuity and progress to our society. It is unfortunate that the description written for this class reads more like internet clickbait than academia, and then signed the Healing Pass team. Those were some of the concerns that we had, like what happens, right, for a young woman enrolled in this class while she's sitting in the class next to a male in the you know desk next to her who... Is they're both watching hardcore pornography like uh, what happens what hardcore pornography how do we determine what pornographic films are going to be used and do we really need to watch the film in order to have the most productive conversations right and what happens to that young woman or any young woman in or out of the class when she's leaving the library and walking to her car or leaving class and Comes across one of the guys in her class or just any guy that has taken the class. Not that, you know, all of the males in this class are going to be sexual predators, but we also know that porn is not a great avenue for sex education. And because porn doesn't really revolve around healthy sexual consent, many can be confused about what that actually looks like and they can misinterpret messages that females are sending when they are not actually giving consent and the males misinterpret that. So again, I think just more questions needed to be answered, more information needed to be given. You know, it is being taught by a female professor. When I found out who the professor was and I looked up, you know, her profile on Westminster College, it sounds like she has a pretty good diverse background and is involved in a lot of organizations here in Utah that I think are good for her to be involved in that might to me look like she's approaching this class in ways that it should be approached to bring about insight awareness and kind of understand the role that porn is playing and are we okay with the role that porn plays in our industry of media and film so I don't know that you know this professor has ill intent I don't know what will happen right because My understanding was yesterday, there were still protests happening at Westminster College. Parents are, you know, kind of up in arms. And, you know, there's a lot of parents right now who are up in arms about materials, books, different things like that. And I don't know that historically we can look back and say those who were on the side of censorship or banning things were really ever on the right side of history. But I think it also warrants further discussion if we can cut through the high, big emotions that are happening about this right now and many of the fears that parents have. You know, one of the things that I was saying when I was talking to the reporter was that my experience with young adults and even teenagers, older teenagers, right? I've had four of them and they friends. My experience is that they actually want conversations with actual people, that you know, for me, it was important for me when I was raising my kids that I could compete and beat out whatever they could do as a Google search. And so we had a lot of discussions around sex and around a lot of other things, right? Because I wanted them to have that experience of having a discussion with somebody who was listening, asking questions, maybe sharing perspective or asking what they thought about things and really just having productive dialogue versus a Google search. But I also think that a lot of parents don't know how to do that. And a lot of parents have a lot of fear around their kids developing sexuality. And that fear gets in the way of productive dialogue. And often it gets in the way of kids coming to their parents to ask those questions and have those conversations. Because I think what kids don't want is to be lectured or to be judged for their questions. I think as human beings we can still compete with Google or Pornhub or whatever images might come up in a Google search and I think we need to work through our own fears and our own insecurities about having those conversations with our kids. I find that for parents where there's a lot of fear or anxiety around these conversations, they tend to do more lecturing and I just don't know that lecturing are the most productive ways for anybody to learn. I think there has to be a back and forth dialogue where we're challenging and we're thinking, well, maybe I was wrong here and maybe, oh, that's a really good point, right? And so I think becoming you know, more comfortable about those issues, trusting your kids more, which also goes back to trusting yourself more, are actually the things that young adults and teenagers need as they're navigating a world where there is a multi-billion dollar porn industry who has a very strong and powerful influence in media and film. At the end of this episode, I want to remind you that your story matters. Remember, there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story until it's finished. Until next time, Jackie, The Legal Stuff. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. The Prayer of the Perfectionist Nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Help me to remember the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I am learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone. I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.